Drivers, start your engines! It's time for the fastest hour of radio, Southern Race Week, with your host, William Barber. All right, race fans, welcome to this edition of Southern Race Week right here on your great racing station and your favorite podcast location. I am William Barber, a.k.a. WB. That's what my family, friends, cousins, and neighbors call me. And this week on Southern Race Week, as always, sitting high atop his pit box, making the world a better place. Smile on the world, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is, the man himself. Here's Alfie. Thank you, WB. Glad to be uh, back with you again this week. Another fantastic episode of the Southern Race Week show and the Southern Race Week podcast here on this Memorial Day weekend, William, as we remember the brave men and women who have served this country to give us the freedoms to be able to race week in and week out. So uh, happy Memorial Day to everyone out there listening, and hopefully you enjoy this nice expanded three-day weekend along with some great racing coming up this weekend, William. So excited to review everything that happened in CODA this past weekend and get ready to preview all the racing action that's coming up this weekend as well, sir. Got a great lineup uh, coming up this week on uh, Southern Race Week, but, uh, you know, there's some great news coming out of all of the events. I'm talking uh, NASCAR. I'm talking concerts. I'm talking anything and everything. We are getting back to a new norm, uh, and the capacity restrictions are being lifted every week as we go into race weekends for Charlotte this weekend coming up for the Coca-Cola 600. Plus and also, for Atlanta, and and also for the Atlanta race, too, in July. For the Atlanta race, man. That, look, we get to have tents outside. That means, I, that means I got plenty of spaces to lay down and sleep after a nice, enjoyable night of having some Coca-Cola and Sprites. The, the, the cool thing is, Alfie, you have plenty of spots to lay down. And this time, Alfie, uh, let's get you a tent, okay? We got okay. some station tents that aren't being used right now, some radio station tents. We're looking forward to the Southern Race Week uh, radio tent and uh, presented by uh, Food Depot, so it's going to be exciting. Exactly, exactly. Well, every week here on the show, we get you up to speed on everything you need to know, so let's kick it off with the big boys' toys. Or I can tell you who's going to be on the show first. Or you, hey, Alfie, every week here on the show, we get you up to speed on everything you need to know. But this week, let's get you up to speed on who's on the show. That's right, William. We got some uh, great guests joining this week on Southern Race Week Radio. Uh, we'll kick things off with the president in Texas Motor Speedway, Eddie Gossage. He'll come on the program to talk about the All-Star Race here in just a few weeks and also talk about his retirement. That's right. He's going to retire after the All-Star Race at Texas is here. And then also, you have the opportunity to speak with Ken Reagan as uh, next week they'll kick off the Thursday Thunder Series at Atlanta Motor Speedway, so we'll get a preview of that. And then also we'll speak with Alan Kavana, who was able to work with the Performance Racing Network this past weekend, and he'll give us his thoughts and breakdown of all the excitement that happened at the Circuit of the Americas this past weekend in the Trucks, Xfinity, and Cup Series as well. We'll talk some playoff action as well, William. So another star-studded, jam-packed episode of Southern Race Week Radio, along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. Hey, everybody. This is Roger Cruz from Rev Racing, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. Hello, and welcome back to this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you, along with the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio network. It's Southie continuing on with this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio, along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast, as we welcome our next guest here into the program, 
He's coming to us live from his office overseeing the beautiful Texas Motor Speedway as he prepares himself and his crew for the upcoming All-Star Race here shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in the president of Texas Motor Speedway. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Eddie Gossip! I need to, uh, I need to introduce you to our PA guys because that kind of in introduction is just not uh, typical. So thank you for that. Well, no problem. I had many years of experience when I was in high school doing this to introduce our high school basketball team. So I do have a little bit of experience on my resume. So I'll feel free to afford that over to you. And maybe I have an opportunity to uh, work the PA system over there at Texas Motor Speedway. But uh, Mr. Gossage, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week on Southern Race Week Radio. I know you guys are getting anticipated and ready for the upcoming All-Star Race here. Um, in just uh, less than a month, June 13th, you'll be welcoming uh, NASCAR Nation into your facility to uh, bring in the biggest names in racing to uh, battle it out for a $1 million uh, prize. And, uh, it, you know, the All-Star Race has not been at a lot of spaces. It's been at Atlanta Motor Speedway once. It's been at Charlotte multiple times, obviously. Last year at Bristol. Now this year, Texas will be added to that short list of tracks that will be hosting this prestigious event. So let's talk about how this all came about. How did Texas Motor Speedway able, uh, was able to land this uh, great opportunity to host the not only the All-Star Race, but also the, the NASCAR All-Star Open? Yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, the All-Star Race started in 1985 at Charlotte. Um, and with the exception of, of those two occasions, the, the 1986 edition was run at Atlanta Motor Speedway, then went back to Charlotte in 87, and it stayed there every year until last year. It was supposed to have been there last year, but it was moved because of COVID uh, regulations to Bristol, Tennessee. Uh, so, um, you know, the opportunity uh, was presented to me by um, Marcus Smith, the, the president and CEO of, of our parent company that owns uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway, Texas Motor Speedway, and uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway, among others. And Marcus said, would you rather have your point paying race in the spring, the one you've had for 24 years, or would you rather have the all-star race? And I said, there's no question. <laughs> we'll take the all-star race. Would love it, you know, because uh, Daytona 500, uh, the Coca-Cola 600, the Southern 500, the season finale, and the all-star race are, are those, you know, big events. They're, they're not your normal events. They're special. and so." Um, we're honored that, that we've got it, and, and it'll, it, from what I understand, it'll stay here for a number of years, and so uh, uh, I think that's, that's great uh, because the event is so special, so different. We've got more uh, local uh, civic support than we've ever received for any of our races. Um, you know, uh, the Convention Visitor Bureau has bought billboards. They've got displays at the airport. They um, have just done a number of things that they don't typically do because they recognize that when an all-star game comes to town, it's different than everything else. So, uh, so we've all been hard at work and trying to make as big a deal as we can out of it. It's, we're still under, um, all of us in this country are still dealing with the COVID, um, I don't know what you would call it, but uh, we're not out of the woods yet. But, you know, people still have some reluctance to be in crowds. And, and I get that. That's going to take a while to get over. And so, uh, you know, we're not going to have the, you know, giant crowd that we would typically have, but we're going to have a good crowd here. And uh, I think, you know, the, the reputation of this race, uh, and you think back through it, all the interesting, uh, newsworthy, uh, controversial, 
uh, you know, the, the moments that have happened in the all-star race, uh, you, you know, given the opportunity, you want to be there to, to witness it for yourself. So um, hopefully uh, this race is one of those momentous ones where you look back and go, yeah, I remember 2021, the all-star race, you know, it was something else and get into what happened, you know? So that's what we're looking for. Got our fingers crossed and hopefully, uh, hopefully it's what we'll see on uh, Sunday, June 13th. Now, you, you released a format, which is a very unique format, I have to say. I think it's going to give to a lot of great uh, opportunity, like great racing, the inverting, all that kind of stuff is always really cool. Um, the idea of the format, was that a little bit of you and some other people? How did that idea come together of, of how we, we came down with the idea for the format of how you wanted to run the All-Star Race? Well, when, um, you know, the All-Star Race was turned over to me last year, uh, Marcus Smith uh, said, uh, asked him, I said, okay, what are we doing format here? He said, it's your race, figure it out. <laughs> okay. All right, fine. So, uh, uh, talked to NASCAR and I asked the same question. They said, it's your race, figure it out. <laughs> and so I'll, I'll be honest. I'm and, and this surprises a lot of people. I'm a racing purist and I didn't have any real, what I thought were really, you know, ground shaking ideas, but I kept working. And I kept doodling on paper with, with some ideas and uh, finally, I came up with a, a, a format, shared it with Marcus. Marcus said he loved it. I shared it with NASCAR, and they said, uh, yeah, we got to talk about this. I said, well, I hold it. I thought you said it was my race, you know, and all of a sudden it was, uh, what does Fox think about this? Uh, I don't know. It's my race. And uh, <laughs> so it was, it was kind of funny. The final outcome looks nothing like what I proposed uh, back in January. And, and I'm fine with that because I just want the best format we can have. And, and uh, that was just trying to get the ball rolling on, on where to go. But I'll tell you that um, Jeff Gordon and, and Clint Boyer uh, had some really strong ideas in a Zoom meeting that we, we had. And uh, I took lots of notes. And, and I think that conversation gave it more shape than any, any single conversation. But the point is, is it was... NASCAR, it was Fox, and it's Texas Motor Speedway, and we, we kept bouncing things back and forth, and some folks say it's complicated. I tell them, no, it's Saturday night racing. I think of it as heats, almost. People have been telling us for years and years and years, fans want shorter races. Okay, well, they're going to have 15 lap races, several of them, to determine how you're going to start when we get down to the payday point of the night, uh, but it's going to be... Um, it's a, it's a Texas working man's format. You know, you better bring your lunch because you're going to have to work all night long and, and you can get up towards the front and get knocked back and have to start all over trying to climb that ladder to be in the right place, the right position to have the kind of track position you want when you start a final 10 lap segment. But the crews play a role in it, which I think all of us agreed had to, you know, that had to happen. Uh, we wanted the spotlight on the crews so that some of them will rise to the occasion uh, what was it, a couple weeks ago, um, Dover, I think it was. Yes, Dover. William Byron's crew got him out quicker than Kyle Larson's crew did. Just by a hair, but that made the difference track position, and, and Larson, who led most of the laps, never got back in the lead because of that. So the crews play a critical role every week, and we thought that ought to be a part of the all-star race. And also, we also should, also should reward them. So there's $100,000 on the line on whoever has the shortest pit stop uh, during the, uh, the fifth segment of the race. So 
yeah, everybody's going to play a role, and, and it only takes one person to screw it up. That's a lot of pressure. They always say everything's bigger in Texas, so I guess that goes along with the all-star race as well, as we're speaking with the president of Texas Motor Speedway, Eddie Gossage. And as awesome as it is for the all-star race to be in Texas, for you, this will be your final uh, hurrah, I guess you can say. You're going to be retiring after the end of the all-star race, uh, over three decades of service to the company. Your resume is extensive. You were there basically to open, open Texas Motor Speedway when they originally opened. You've been there this whole time. And how's it like to know that you opened this facility and now you're ready to hand it off to, to someone else to continue on that tradition you've started? Well, you know, this is our 25th season here at Texas Motor Speedway. You're right. Um, you know, I, I represented the company and we found the site and I, and I negotiated the purchase of the land. And um, this track actually began on my uh, kitchen table. Uh, literally, uh, you know, phone lines to my house and I'm taking down names and numbers as quick as I can and in between every, you know, for, for, for tickets. And uh, so it, it's been, uh, it's been a labor of love. It's been a golden opportunity uh, really for 27 and a half years, uh, but 25 seasons we've been running uh, races and it's been an adventure of a lifetime. I'm, I'm from, originally from Nashville, Tennessee, grew up there and went to college at Middle Tennessee State and, uh, you know, um, came from a blue collar family that, uh, you know, we, we had everything we needed, but we didn't have a lot, uh, you know, so you don't think that you're going to grow up and build one of the biggest stadiums in the world. When we opened, we had 150,000 seats and, you know, 1,500 acres, which uh, is, is massive. Uh, we got a road around the exterior of our property and it's five and a half miles around the exterior of our property. That's how big this chunk of land is that, that we bought. And uh, so, you know, there's not a yard of concrete or blade of grass or, a, a, you know, an inch of steel that um, don't have my fingerprints on it somewhere, somehow. Um, but uh, 25 seasons, 24 seven, uh, it seems like that's a nice symmetrical um, package and so time for me to close that book and um, uh, carry on. And I don't know what and how. I'm not, I'm way too young to retire, retire. Uh, you know, so we'll see what the opportunities, uh, if any, come along that are of interest. Uh, great. And if they don't, great. Uh, I've got, I live less than 10 minutes from three grandkids. And that's really, they're really the motivation for me to slow down. Um, so. Uh, it's, you know, it's not fair to everybody else that I've been doing this 24 seven. Now I want to do them 24 seven. And, uh, and like I said, if something comes along that seems like fun, um, I'll do it. But if not, um, I'll ride my motorcycle and I'll, uh, uh, you know, pick up the kids at school and take them to practice or, or, you know, whether that's, uh, piano lessons or football practice or whatever it may be. And, uh, and really, you know, that's, that's where I get contentment from my wife and those, those grandkids. And so it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Well, uh, Mr. Gossage, you definitely deserve the time, sir. And uh, we really appreciate our time. Now, if our Atlanta listening audience or anyone listening to the podcast is interested in purchasing tickets for the All-Star Race, are those available? And if they are, where can they go to get those tickets? Well, they are. And the best thing to do is go to TexasMotorSpeedway.com. And uh, that's where you'll find the best deals. That's where you'll find the uh, you know, how to go about doing that, make it easy for you. But you really do need to come see an all-star race sometime. They're just off the charts. 
If nothing else, the production, driver introductions and things of that nature, the post-race celebration, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. My buddy Ed Clark retired over there at Atlanta Motor Speedway, and Ed and I started together. For me, this is 42 cup seasons. Ed and I worked together at Nashville Fairground Speedway in 1980, and uh, he's just one of my closest friends and uh, a guy that I, I owe everything to. So he hired me. He was 22 or 23, and I was 20. We had four cup races between Nashville and Bristol. The tracks back then were owned by the same uh, people. We ran every Saturday night in Nashville with weekly racing, but we had two cup races at fairgrounds in Nashville, and we had two uh, cup races at Bristol, and these two kids were doing them. So staffs are a bit different these days, and as you can see, the uh, offices are nicer and everything's, you know, we've grown up quite a bit, but uh, Ed's just such an important guy. Atlanta Motor Speedway is fortunate to have had him all those years, and uh you know, he's probably somewhere right now fishing, knowing him, catching some bass. So good for him. Well, Mr. Gossage, uh, we really appreciate your time and uh, good luck to you in the All-Star Race here in less than a month and also enjoy your retirement. And, and hopefully we see big things from you down the road, my friend. And thank you for, so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you, Al. Appreciate it. Hi, folks. This is Ed Clark, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right. Here at Atlanta Motor Speedway with Ken Reagan, this edition of Southern Race Week. We're live from the Thursday Thunder headquarters right here at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Ken Reagan, uh, Ken, uh, man, so glad to, uh, to for you to let me in the shop today. And probably before I leave, I'll probably end up going home with a car. Hey, that would be great. We've uh, we've got a lot of interest in our Thursday Thunder program that starts next week, and we've got a lot of new families that's come into the sport over the past uh, five or six months. We've really got it back in high gear now, and uh, we look for an excellent turnout of cars next Thursday. Thursday Thunder, Ken, Reagan, uh, this is Southern Race Week edition uh, presented by Food Depot. We've been, uh, you and I have been knowing each other for quite a while. Uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of wonderful people have been a part of the Legends program, uh, not only that are race drivers, but have been uh, involved in making this, uh, making this uh, happen and everything. What's the, what's the biggest thing that you can say that, that's come out of this, uh, out of this program other than great, successful NASCAR drivers? Well, you, you know, I, I, I run into families uh, almost every week, and, and it might be a family that I hadn't seen in several years, uh, and they'll tell me that some of the best times that they've had with their kids growing up was the years that they spent at Atlanta Motor Speedway racing their Bandolero or, or Legends car. And the kid might have outgrown it. He, you know, went off to college, come back home, went to work in the family business or whatever. Um, might be completely away from racing in today's world, but the memories that they have as a family in coming up through our program, um, they, they really have appreciation for. And I can relate to that because some of the best times that I've had with my kids has been right here in Atlanta and the tracks in Georgia where we would take David and, and race him in his Bandolero and his Legends car. A lot of the friends that we made along the way we still have today. So that's what makes me feel good about having the program that, that Mr. Wheeler and Ed Clark allowed us to start, you know, back in the late 90s. And uh, it's, it's been a lot of good, good experiences for me and for a lot of other people as well. So that makes it all worthwhile. 
Legends program is going to be kicking off at Atlanta Motor Speedway uh, starting next week. It's June, and it's going to be how many races uh, this year? We're only racing six events this year. All six of them will be in the month of June uh, over that period of four weeks. The opening night is Thursday, June the 3rd, and then the week after that, we run on Wednesday night and Thursday until we get to the end of June and we have a standalone Thursday night championship night. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of cars, a lot of people will come in from out of state. We've got a lot of young talent that, that uh, a lot of people have their eyes on. We're really looking forward to it. And you know, I take you up on selling you a car, but a lot of years have uh, gone by and me and you both are probably not in the condition that we need to hop behind the wheel of a race car today and try to get out there and battle with these young drivers yeah you and i are not phil uh and we're not playing golf so uh so i tell you the thing that i i noticed about the the legends program from over the years is watching the fans in the stands you can bring your five-year-old your seven-year-old heck your five-month-old to the, to the legends program and it gives young kids a chance to see racing and it's not as loud as the NASCAR program and everything. They see a lot of bumping, beating, banging. Short track racing at its best. Eight years old uh, of age can get started. And in a Legends car, 12 years old. So we have a lot of young kids out here racing. They enjoy every minute of it. So, you know, we, we're open. Uh, invite everyone to come out. You can give me a call here at the Legends office at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And we can hook you up. If you decide you want to come out for a test drive or driving school that we might have coming up, just let us know. We'll certainly take care of you. Legends program at Atlanta Motor Speedway kicking off in the month of June. Great race in action. If you want more information, go to AtlantaMotorSpeedway.com and you can find out all the race dates. That's the joys of coming out to the racetrack and, and being able to come by and see you, Ken, is that um, we always got some, some great stories. You always got some great, uh, great uh, history about the track, about the program. And um, it's such a pleasure, man, to hang out with you, man. You're welcome. Anytime. I'm JoJo Wilkinson, driver number 11 with the ProLite model from Newtown, Alabama, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. Hello, and welcome back to this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Alfie continuing on with this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And as we do every single week, we bring you the biggest names in racing, in the cars, and also on the broadcasting mics as well as our next guest had a little bit of experience working the mic this past weekend as the U.S. Circuit of the Americas covering all the action for the Performance Racing Network amongst all the other jobs that he's doing right now. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's head on over to the Food Depot hotline and welcome in NASCAR guru, Noah's Alls, and brings us all the latest info and news. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Alan Kavana. Best intro in radio. Good to be back, man. Uh, Mr. Kavana, thank you so much for taking time to join us yet again this week on Southern Race Week Radio, as you become a friend of the show, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us and a breakdown of everything that happened this past weekend at the Circuit of the Americas. Quite an interesting weekend, and not only that, your debut on the Performance Racing Network had a chance to tune into the radio broadcast, and you did an excellent job there on Pit Road. And uh, before we talk about your experience behind the mic, let's talk about the action that happened at the Circuit of the Americas. Got to tell you, probably one of the craziest weekends of racing I've ever seen with all the rain 
that fell in the Austin, Texas area. I know a lot of the drivers had mixed emotions about racing in these conditions. From your uh, interviews and the people that you talked to post-race, uh, what did you take away from the driver's thoughts of uh, this debut race at the Circuit of the Americas? Well, it was a mixed bag, right? I mean, look, you know, listen, being there and covering the race and listening to all the drivers during the race, it was evident. They, they couldn't see, right? And But you don't know the extent of what they're seeing through the cockpit uh, until you see some of the in-car video or you really, unfortunately, see what happened out on the track. Because anytime, you know, there's some rain up there, they're going to say, oh, I'm having a tough time seeing. But then when you saw how serious it was, unfortunately, with the rooster tails, with the amount of rain, that happened and fell on Austin, Texas uh, during that race. I mean, it, it, it turned into a significant problem, one that was you know hard to anticipate and one that's hard to plan for. And, and by that, I mean, look, you know the rain's coming, but this was the first time they've done anything like this. I'm talking about the Cup Series. And uh, until you get 40 cars out there, you truly never know what it's going to be like and the effect that all that rain and speed and the amount of cars is going to have in terms of visibility. And I hate to say it was a hard lesson learned, but that's about the only thing you can take away from it is that, look, you know, the drivers couldn't see. It led to some poor conditions, some unplanned for conditions, and you just hope the next time that they've learned a lot from it. This is the first time for NASCAR to race at this venue, the first time they've really raced in uh, such uh, rainy uh, conditions. Do you think NASCAR is going to take a little bit away from this and say, what can we do if we do do this race again next year, uh, how can we improve to make sure that the drivers feel safe out there driving in these very hazardous conditions? Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot to look toward. I mean, the, uh, again, until they did the race, there were things that were unforeseen, whether it be water getting inside the car. And remember, there's a new brand new car next year. So that's something they, they'll have to try to test. Uh, they, they talked about, uh, Scott Miller of NASCAR talked about using special cameras to see just how bad the, the the rooster tail was, right? And if they can maybe use, you know, mud flaps or something to deflect some of that water from going up on the driver's uh, windshield behind them. You know, th there are things that they will take away from this and study and try to fix. And part of that is even something that NASCAR admitted, you know, stopping the race before it gets too bad, before the monsoon, right, gets too bad. I mean, there, there was racing there for a while, but then the conditions really deteriorated. And there was a point where, where they said, yeah, that's on us. We probably should have stopped it a few laps earlier before those, those horrific-looking wrecks. And, you know, they, they took that one on the shoulder. Speaking with Alec Havana here, NASCAR Insider on Southern Race Week Radio, along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And with the rain-shortened event, Chase Elliott was able to punch his ticket. He'll be advancing to the playoffs to defend his championship. And with Chase winning, that now brings us to 11 different drivers who have won a race this year, two drivers with multi-wins, which is Martin Truex Jr. and Alex Bowman, which now leaves positions 12 through 16 uh, for those with points. So right now, and Denny Hamlin is on the 12th position right now. He's the highest-pointed uh, driver without a win. Uh, Kevin Harvick's right behind him. Austin Dillon, Chris Buescher, and Tyler Reddick, and then Matt DiBenedetto right there on the inside looking in. So this is going to be a crazy, crazy playoff push because now as we get closer and closer to Daytona, um, you know, these positions are going to be tightening up, and now a lot of these drivers are going to be feeling that pressure to get a win between now and Daytona. So as you walk around the garage, talk to some of these drivers, how concerned are they that, uh, especially for Denny, who hasn't had a win this, se this season, looking to try to get themselves into the playoffs if they don't get a win via points? 
Oh, well, fortunately, Denny's doing everything but winning. Denny has such a huge lead in the, in the point standings, right, when you take away the wins, the actual standings, that he is first place, and first place automatically makes the playoffs. So he, he doesn't have to win all regular season. As long as he's first place in the points, actually, uh, he gets in no problem. So that's a big bonus there. I'm not worried about Denny Hamlin. Uh, I'm not even worried about Kevin Harvick, who doesn't have a win. Isn't it weird that the two winningest drivers from last year still don't have victories right now? But there are drivers on the back end. I mean, I have to start worrying about this uh, because there are only few, so few spots left. And when you have those drivers that are you would expect to win, like a Denny Hamlin, like a Kevin Harvick, that's going to make that bubble even smaller. Like right now, there are four spots. You can get in racing on points, but for four spots, and when, we, when these drivers start winning the races, you expect them to. That, that bubble gets a lot smaller. And suddenly it's, you know, one or two spots you're competing for in terms of points. So, you know, the Austin Dillons of the world, Tyler Reddicks, Kurt Busch, Bubba Wallace. I mean, they have to start thinking about, yeah, it's a lot of pressure out there to get that victory if that's how you're going to get in. Because that points bubble, the way to get in just, just via points, that's going to be a very small chance coming in a few weeks. And you've been covering the sport for a long time. How surprised are you that we're at this position where we've had 11 drivers win, two have multi-wins on the season? Are you kind of shocked to see that uh, the wins have spread out and only two drivers have multi-wins on this season at this point? It is, only because we haven't seen that in a few years. Now, now bring me to the end of the regular season. I think it kind of looks as, as normal as any other season, if you will. You know what I mean? We probably have 13 to 14 winners. Everything looks normal again. But to start off like we did, I think there was eight in a row, nine in a row uh, of brand-new winners. I mean, that was just cool, just to go out there and know that some other teams are winning. Uh, you know, maybe you didn't expect Christopher Bell, Michael McDowell, William Byron so early, you know, to get these victories, click them off. And again, it's, I think it's more surprising, Alfie, who doesn't? You know, Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick. I mean, these are huge names that don't have the victories yet. It's crazy. And uh, you performed exclusively, as we told you uh, before we went on. You you did your first race for radio for the Performance Racing Network, working with friends of the show, Doug Rice, along with uh, Doug Turnbull as well. You did an excellent job. And, uh, you know, you're doing so many different things now besides just the radio stuff. you got your podcast going on. you got so many other side hustles that you're going on to uh, promote the great sport of NASCAR. So tell me about your debut on the mic. How was it like for you to work on radio for the first time and with the professional crew there, the Performance Racing Network? Yeah, that was the best part. I mean, being, being a part of something as uh, classic and as iconic as the Performance Racing Network, that was just a, a career honor, right? I mean, for any broadcaster to be a part of that team was just so cool. Then you mix that in with it being the inaugural weekend, right, of CODA for someplace they've never been before. I mean, that was just the coolest thing ever, and I'm just so grateful for that opportunity to have been back on pit road and, uh, you know, doing the reports and telling the stories, uh, and it was a crazy day, right? It was kind of a, a memorable, inaugural, historic weekend, and there were a lot of stories to tell, and I'm just very grateful to have been a part of it. And, uh, uh, I appreciate you asking. Radio was really fun. It was laid back. It was an easy conversation. It was uh, it was a good time, and uh, I'm just grateful for that opportunity. Well, hopefully the first of many times will we hear you on the uh, Performance Racing Network. Uh, Mr. Kavan, I know you do a lot uh, in covering the sport of NASCAR news-wise and, and information, so if our followers and our listeners want to keep up with what's going on with you and also the sport of NASCAR, where can they go to kind of keep up with everything you got going on right now? 
Yeah, look, all in one place. Just hit me up on Twitter at Alan Cavana. I promise it's all on there. We have an awesome podcast, Positive Progression. I do some great work for Speed Sport. I mean, one of the the oldest racing publication in all the world, Speed Sport Magazine. Uh, to be a part of that, I make videos for them each week and doing some other stuff. So to be a part of that team is really cool. And uh, yeah, just. Uh, Follow on Twitter, I, I promise. Follow me on Twitter at Alan Kavana. It's all cool on there. This is Larry McReynolds of NASCAR on Fox, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, race fans, welcome back to this edition of Southern Race Week. Alfie, uh, you doing okay, man? Yeah, doing good. Just uh, recovering from another exciting episode of Southern Race Week Radio. Thanks to our great guest, Eddie Scossage, president of Texas Motor Speedway, Ken Reagan, the main man in charge of the Thursday Thunder program there at Atlanta Motor Speedway, and also... Alan Cavana, NASCAR insider, bringing us up up to date on all the racing action and info. So thanks to our great guest this week, William. You know, I'm so excited. I, did, I got a chance to go out there to Atlanta Motor Speedway today and hang out with, with Dustin and um, uh, Ted Allstead and Ken Reagan and, 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 and Brandon Hudson. And, you know, they are so excited about having the opportunity to be able to have a full capacity of race fans back in the grandstands and just in general in the media world, um, working with iHeartRadio and everything else, people are ready. That's right, William. And, of course, you can check out all the information, racing news, info, news you can use about racing there on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Southern Race Week. You check out our Twitter page at SRW Radio. And, of course, you can follow yours truly at Alfie underscore 19, our fearless leader at WB Radio Network. And also, William, you're giving some fans an opportunity to win some tickets for the race in July. Isn't that correct? Just uh, look for the Atlanta Motor Speedway Quicker State 400 presented by Walmart logos on the Southern Race Week Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Southern Race Week. And look for it at William Barber on Instagram. And uh, you will see the logo there. Like and share that post, and you will be entered in to win tickets for the race weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. We're going to give away a four-pack of tickets for Saturday's racing action, and then we're going to give away a grand prize package of four for the Sunday racing action. And this time, Alfie, because we have race fans in different parts of the state of Georgia, different parts of the southeast, we're going to have four grand prize winners, and we're going to tell you how you can win more tickets leading up to the race weekend if you're in Atlanta as we get closer to the July 11th race weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. I'm excited. And don't forget about the Southern Race Week podcast, available for you every Monday at iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So if you want to go back and listen to this program or any of our past programs, all that is available for you at your favorite podcast location. Check out the Southern Race Week podcast, William. Well, that's going to do it for me, uh, Alfie. Remember, whenever y'all are in the mood to get some great deals on a brand-new uh, set of steaks, hot dogs, hamburgers, or grilling and chilling, make sure you head on over to Food Depot Grocery Store, baby. Check out fooddepot.com. Well, that's going to do it for me. I'm WB, a.k.a. William Barber. I'm Alfie. Y'all have a great one. We'll see you at a racetrack near you real soon. <laughs> 